You are listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from Plodium, and this week we are talking about the one monster in Dungeons and Dragons that makes you do a terrible French accent whenever you reference it, and that is the boulet. My wife is in the other room. She is a French major, and she is disgusted with me, and we are getting a, how you say, divorce. Okay, quick programming note up front. I know I said we were going to do bugbears this week, but the thing is, is that I have a guest coming on at some point in the future who's going to talk about goblins. And because bugbears will probably get wrapped up into that conversation, I didn't really want to cover bugbears until I'd done goblins. So bugbears are currently backburnered for the moment. We will come back to them, I promise. Secondly, I want to address the CR5 large monstrosity in the room, and that is the pronunciation of this monster. We're going to go into it. I am going to say bullet because that's what I've always said. But apparently there's some contention about whether it's bullet or boulet or bullet or whatever. I'm going to say bullet because that's how I've always said it. And even if it was in French, it wouldn't be pronounced boulet. So there's that. But you can find the boulette on page... See, now I'm doing it. Boulette. You can find the boulette on page 34 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. Uh, it is a one-page spread for a classic monster. This is the Land Shark. This is an enormous, burrowing, armor-plated subterranean monster that digs under the ground and bursts up and noms on you. It is sort of one part tremors and one part jaws. As presented in 5th edition, this is a CR5 monstrosity. It's got a 17 armor class, a 40-foot speed, a 40-foot burrow speed. It has a standing leap power, which lets it jump way farther. It's got a bite attack that deals a massive amount of damage, 4d12 damage at 5th level. And then it's got a huge ability called Deadly Leap, where it can essentially leap out of the ground and then land and do kind of a shockwave ability where it deals bludgeoning damage and it knocks you prone. And yeah, that's that's the bullet. It's it's not an especially complicated monster, but it does have kind of a long history in D&D, and that's what we're going to get into next. Now, the bullet is, believe it or not, a first edition monster. I have a special fondness. I swear at some point we're going to record an episode where I don't have a special fondness for this monster, but I just like so many Dungeons and Dragons monsters. The reason I have a fondness for the bullet is that legend has it, it was one of a number of monsters, including the, I believe, the Rust Monster and the Owl Bear, that were inspired by a set of plastic toys that Gary Gygax had. Now, here's the crazy thing. I had those toys. And what's more, I had those toys long before I played D&D. And when I saw these monsters, the Bullet and the Owlbear and the Rust Monster, I remember feeling vaguely like I had seen these designs before, especially the Rust Monster. I thought, man, I can't place this, but I know I've seen this, like, fanned tail thing before. And then, just a couple of years ago, I saw somebody tweet about the history of these monsters, and my mind was blown. I have been playing with the Bullet longer than I've been playing with Dungeons & Dragons. And that's pretty cool, right? So again, special place in my heart, <laughs> like every monster in Dungeons and Dragons. So the story with the pronunciation, to get that out of the way, is that it was apparently 
originally pronounced just bullet is how they called it. But then as a joke, because of its unusual spelling, Gygax and his friends started to call it the boulet, which is not actually correct French and how you would pronounce it, but it sort of grew from there. And now about half the community says boulet, half of them just says bullet. Some of them like me are in between with bullet. It really depends on your upbringing. Now, in the game, they appear in the first edition Monster Manual, but the entry is written in this really weird voice, almost like it's written by a naturalist or something. It says stuff like, the biggest bullet ever recorded was 11 hit dice, which implies that, like, there's some naturalist who is catching bullets, like, shark style, and measuring them, but not measuring their size, measuring their hit dice. So what do you mean the biggest bullet ever recorded was 11 hit dice? Because if you're recording the size of the bullet, then you're not measuring hit dice because you're in the world. And it's just like this crazy mind-bendy, who is writing this monster manual entry? A lot of the lore is also kind of um, in-jokey. There's a specific point that they like dwarven ponies, because dwarven ponies were supposedly the best for hauling treasure out of dungeons, so bullets in particular liked to attack them to try to steal treasure from early players in that kind of adversarial first edition way. They also apparently like halflings the most of all the different um, ancestries to eat, although hobbits is what they were called back then, because halflings were the most popular ancestry to play. The bullet is also among a number of monsters that fall into the A Wizard Did It category, where the book speculates on their origin as potentially being a magical experiment done by a wizard, because there's no, like, evolutionary reason that these monsters would come into being, as though we needed that kind of explanation in our Dungeons & Dragons games. In this case, they posit that it was a combination of an armadillo and a snapping turtle uh, doused in demon ichor, which... I don't know if I need to know that armadillos exist in D&D. Apparently armadillos are fine, but not bullets. I don't know. I don't know why people feel the need to fill this bit of their, their lore in. Not important to me. Monsters can exist. I don't need explanations for how they evolved necessarily. The second edition maintains most of this, including this weird through line that nobody knows how the bullets reproduce that they have different times have been thought to be extinct for periods and then would come back, and no one's ever seen a young bullet, and do they lay eggs, and do they give live birth? All of these questions kind of go unanswered, that they just appear from the ground and attack and then disappear again. The only thing about 2nd Edition that's really noteworthy is I actually kind of like the art better in 2nd Edition. The bullet is a little squatter, and it's got this, like, prominent dorsal fin coming off of its back, which really heightens the shark comparison, and kind of makes that encounter cooler. You get the rumble, sure, but then you see the fin cutting its way through the land, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's a land shark. I don't know, I kind of miss the dorsal fin. I feel like uh, the art in the past few editions has been much more sleek and not quite as shark. I sort of prefer the shark interpretation. Third edition was pretty broadly similar. The only thing it really added was like a tremor sensibility, which feels pretty important for the bullet. Now, fourth edition was more tactical in general, and I think fourth edition is probably my favorite interpretation of the bullet so far. They have a bunch of of new abilities. They could burrow underneath you, and if they did, there was a chance they would knock you prone. When they surfaced, they created like a burst effect that could knock you prone, similar to the deadly leap, and then they could bite you while in the air and drag you underground. Spoiler alert, this is basically what I want to do with them design-wise in 5th edition, so stay tuned for that. Bullets appear across a number of D&D worlds, obviously back in Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms, but Eberron kind of makes a unique point about them. Uh, House Vidalis, one of the 12 Dragonmarked houses, uh, the kind of beast-raising house, has specifically trained bullets and bullet farms. How on earth you would contain a bullet, I don't know, because they can burrow, so did they have, like, concrete bunkers or something? I'm not sure. And then Karnath, one of the five nations, the one that used necromancy during the last war, specifically bred bullets that ate dead flesh, and that imbued them with, like, necromantic energy. 
which like a horrible necrotic bullet is a cool idea for a monster as well. And that is the history of the bullet across all five editions of D&D. Basically, they've stayed the same conceptually, but the mechanics have moved around a little bit. Next, we're going to focus on the things we like about the bullet and how you might use one in your campaign. One of the reasons I like the bullet is that it falls into a subset of certain kinds of monsters. We've talked about one of them. We talked about the Ankhag. I think the Purple Worm is in this category. And I think you could really extend this out to things like the Invisible Stalker or a number of other unseen monsters. The conceit being of the sort of invisible, ready-to-action monster. This is a monster that appears, attacks, and then disappears. One of the nice things about this style of encounter is that A, it breaks with the normal format of opening the door and seeing some orcs and fighting them. B, you can usually fight the action economy a little bit, though there is kind of a ready-to-action problem here. And then C, it's less about challenging the whole party and more about scaring the pants out of one character in particular. And that's what I really like. It's sort of like a lurker or an ambusher monster. But I think the bullet is sort of the platonic ideal or could be. I don't think the fifth edition version quite lives up to this. And that's something we're going to talk about in our negatives. But I like the concept of the bullet as the ambusher monster that leaps up out of the ground out of nowhere, grabs you and then disappears again. Can be really fun, can be really scary. It's a great oh shit moment. This is a small thing, but in contrast to the Ankheg, which I believe has like 10 burrow speed, the bullet has 40 burrow speed. It is as fast underground as it is on land. And what's more than that, it is faster than your average player character. So it really gives you that tremors feeling of you're running and it's coming after you and it is going to catch you unless you take some kind of drastic action. I would actually say it probably doesn't need to be 40 feet on land. I think it's but I think it's cooler if it's faster underground than it is above ground, even though that doesn't really make sense physically. But I'd like they sort of course corrected from the Ankhag to say this monster needs to be super quick and super deadly underground. It also makes no point about whether or not it can burrow through solid rock. I mean, presumably it can't because that doesn't really make sense, but it's also a giant land shark. And I don't know, it's not that cool if it can only burrow through topsoil like an Ankhag. It's another way to distinguish it from the Ankhag and make it seem like a bigger threat. And then lastly, I think Deadly Leap is a pretty fun power. Um, it's it's complex. Basically, the conceit is that if the bullet jumps at least 15 feet as part of its movement, it can then use its action to land in a space that contains one or more other creatures. And then everyone there has to succeed on a strength saving throw or be knocked prone and take like 3d6 bludgeoning damage and 3d6 slashing damage. I think the idea is it's hitting with its claws. You can, you can save for half and only be pushed a little bit, but it's this kind of fun, like, I like the image of it, right? It really plays into that shark idea of it bounding up out of the water and attacking you. I don't love that it's a claw attack there because like you look at the art and it's got this just gigantic mouth and the bite is really where most of its damage comes from. But it is a good way to kind of fight the action economy blues that it can leap out and hit multiple people and knock them prone and really cause some chaos in and amongst the party. It's kind of the last thing you expect the bullet to do is to vault 15 feet into the air and then land on you like a meteor. Those are the three things that I like about the bullet. Next, we're going to talk about some criticism about the bullet and ways we think we might be able to improve it for 5th edition. So because it's kind of a simple monster, I think our criticisms are also going to be kind of simple. The first thing I would say about the bullet is that it is too low level. CR5 
Come on, look at the picture of this massive beast. This is much more powerful than an Ankhag, but it's really only three CR higher. The gulf between the bullet and the purple worm is massive. I think the bullet could comfortably land somewhere in the eight to 10 range and feel like it was kind of in the right weight class. I think a bullet should really be a danger to an entire party of characters. Not that you couldn't throw one at a party of, say, fifth level characters, but it would see, it would be a big boss fight. I think the bullet could really function as more of a set piece encounter and less of kind of a throwaway random encounter, which is how it feels right now. My second criticism is that standing leap is kind of a dumb pain. Like, I understand why they feel the need to put this here, and we're also going to see this in our next monster at the Bullywug, but nobody is measuring distance for jumping. I mean, half of the time we're in theater of the mind anyway, and the jump rules are so rarely cited, it just feels weird to specifically point out that it can do that, or at least say that its jump distance is tripled and just leave it at that, right? Like, to say it's actually up to 30 feet and its high jump is 15 feet, with or without a running start, like... It can jump really high. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, to get that specific, there is a better use of that space on this relatively small monster stat block than standing leap. And then lastly, again, I feel like this is a common complaint, but I, f I feel as though the bullet's action economy is borked. Like, the deadly leap helps, but it really doesn't address the fact that most of the time this is going to be a solo monster that I think they're intending to burst out of the ground, land, knock everybody prone, maybe it gets in a bite, and that it's immediately surrounded and beaten to death by the rest of the party. If you threw this like a third or even a second level party, yeah, this is a deadly threat. Otherwise, it's just kind of a one-hit wonder. It gets to jump in, maybe it gets a bite off, which is a lot of damage to a, a third to fifth level character, but then it's probably done. It doesn't have any obvious way to escape, it, it can burrow, but not without provoking a bunch of attack of opportunities. It doesn't even throw the people when it lands. It simply knocks them prone. So there's no reason on their turn they can't stand up and chase it. Maybe it jumps, hits, and burrows. But every way I try to slice this, the action economy is just deeply against the bullet. So if you're going to have it be a solo monster, which I think you're strongly implied to do, much like the Ankhag, you've got to give it a little bit more ability to put the party on the back foot rather than pouring it all into this one deadly leap ability. So how would we improve the bullet if we were going to make three changes to it? The first thing I would say is I think knocking people prone should be the bread and butter of the bullet. I feel like it only does it right now on its deadly leap, and I want to harken back to 4th edition. In 4th edition, there was an ability where the if the bullet basically undermined you, if, if it went beneath you while it was burrowing, there was a chance it would knock you prone. I think this thing should knock you prone all the goddamn time. I think that's its whole bag, is it runs underneath you, or it stomps, or it does whatever, and it's constantly tremoring the earth and sending people to the ground. Like, I wouldn't go so far as to say it has legendary actions, but some kind of an ability where whenever it burrows, any creature within 15 feet of it has to make a save or fall prone. Right, It is always knocking you prone. Secondly, I would take the bite attack, and I think the damage is great. I would maybe reduce the damage a little bit and add a swallow feature in there. Looking at this awesome art for 5th edition, that mouth is just begging to eat somebody. So if you, even if you don't want to increase the size, I definitely think a large size monstrosity like this could chomp up one medium-sized character. Now, if you remember our Bahir episode, I specifically said I don't really like swallow as an ability, but I think it works in certain contexts. This is a monster deeply inspired by a shark, specifically by the movie Jaws. A shark has one weapon, its mouth. It can either rend you with its teeth or it can swallow you, and I think the bullet should have both options as well. It doesn't have to swallow you, it, but it can if it wants to. This, this allows the bullet to knock somebody prone, burst up out of the ground, bite them, and then drag them under. 
And that is my third suggestion. I love Deadly Leap, but if we could package it with the bite rather than the slashing claws, then I think the bullet could really disrupt the action economy, to borrow a phrase from the tech industry, without having to use legendary actions. Imagine this. Underground, the bullet races beneath the party and forces them all to make strength saving throws or be knocked prone. When one of them fails, the bullet uses its action to burst out of the ground, knocking everybody away except the person it's trying to bite. It bites them, it succeeds, it swallows them, and then it dives back down underground again. Now you've got three characters on the surface, prone, maybe thrown away a little bit, and then you've got the bullet underground with a character in its mouth. It doesn't quite have the invisible stalker problem where it's invisible because it's this massive creature, and if you add that dorsal fin back in, you can see wherever it moves, but it's holding one of the characters in its mouth, which inherently disrupts the action economy because they have to attack the bullet from the inside. Now they can't cast spells, now they can't do a bunch of different things, right? Maybe the bullet can't swallow multiple people, but it can at least take out one of the characters and immediately create this interesting scenario where one PC is being dragged around underground in the jaws of this monster. And it can do that as on one turn in one action, right? If you wanted to, you could say the bullet could choose either a bite attack or a claw attack. You could give it claws as a basic attack, maybe even give it multi-attack if you want to, and then say when it does its deadly leap, it can choose to either slash with the claws or to bite and swallow. That way, once it's swallowed a target, it can just resort to using its claws next round. And I think that's it. I think those changes are, they're all purely mechanical because I think the bullet is one of those monsters we don't really need to delve into the lore too much of. I don't care about armadillos or snapping turtles. I think it's perfectly fine to have there be a land shark monster that's just a part of the ecology and that's what it is. But I think if we make these three mechanical changes, the bullet can go from kind of a footnote monster into a real challenge for an eight to 10th level party by really beefing up its action economy without really changing too much of the math necessarily. And that's it. That is our episode on the boulet. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another episode, and that is the Bullywug. Uh, we're going back to humanoids. This is, I think, our, our only our second humanoid since talking about the Aarakocra. And I'm excited because I don't really know Bullywugs that well, and, and I'm, I'm curious to dig into the lore a little bit more. After that, we will probably be taking another short hiatus while I prepare a suite of episodes for uh, Letter C, things like the Cambian and the Carrion Crawler. But like I say, I'll probably take a couple of weeks off to get that arranged. Until then, though, thanks for listening. We're gonna need a bigger goat. Ugh. I'm happy adventuring. Get it, it's like a goat because it's a bullet that he flies on, but also it's kind of proper. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at XPWebSeries. And if you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. For $1 a month, you get access not only to early episodes of this show, but also to brand new homebrew monsters every weekday. You can find us at patreon.com slash XPWebSeries. That's the letters X, P, Web Series. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>